A very good evening to you all. Good to see so many people out and a big welcome to you if you're watching online. A few notices before we start. Um, after the service tonight, there will be refreshments, which are all, of course, welcome to stay, enjoy a cup of tea. On Thursday evening, God willing, there will be uh, the anniversary services at the earlier time of seven o'clock. And Luke Crowter is preaching, and the title of the sermon is First Things First. And again, there will be refreshments after that as well. So it'll be good to see as many of you out as possible. Um, Friday evening, we have the joint ASIN action event, and prayers will be appreciated for that. Lots of children coming, I think about 50 children, something like that. And uh, and there'll be talks by John and Martin, and it sounds like it's going to be a very fun evening. I won't spoil any of the things that I think are, are planned. Um, but uh, yeah, your prayers will be appreciated uh, for that. Well, as we uh, come to worship now, I just wanted to read a few well-known verses from Hebrews chapter 4. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I thought, well... Beautiful verses that is, what a great reminder that Jesus is the very Son of God and uh, a great high priest and yet he understands us. He sympathises with our with our temptations, with our griefs, with our pains and all the things that we go through. He understands and uh, what a great comfort that is and I hope that will uh, help us as we start uh, this week. And as we go into our first song, um, it's, it's reflected in that too. Um, it's, the first song is Jesus is Lord, the cry that echoes through creation, resplendent power, eternal word our rock, the Son of God, the King whose glory fills the heavens, yet bids us come to taste this living bread. Let's stand and sing.
Our reading this evening is from Colossians, and starting at verse one, um, chapter one and verse fifteen. So Colossians chapter one, starting at verse fifteen. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thank you, Tim. So John will be uh, preaching from that passage uh, a little later in the service. Um, but before, before that, we're going to uh, sing our next song, 
Just go labour on. And this is a, a prayer to be used by God and to do so in a Christ-like, servant-hearted manner. Go labour on, spend and be spent. Your joy to do the Father's will. It is the way the Master went. Should not the servant tread it still? Let's stand and sing. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great opportunity for uh, to be able to come and bow ourselves down before you. We thank you that, Lord, you are so faithful and true to your word that you are ready to hear our prayers no matter what time of night or day. And as we come together, Lord, tonight in our um, worship service, we are grateful that we can be here again. And uh, Lord, we, we want to know your presence and to feel your spirit among us as we uh, worship you tonight. I pray, Lord, that our hearts will be full of uh, the love to the, uh, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that uh, through us, Lord, you will use us and have your will done as we've just sung 
And Lord, uh, we also sang that last verse there, it said about toiling on, and uh, Lord, how often that is, that we, uh, we, we, we walk in that pathway, that we have to just keep on going, and uh, pray that in those times our eyes might be lifted up to you. Lord, we thank you that you are uh, the great high priest who is not unable to sympathise with our with uh, with the way that we feel we as we read at the start lord we thank you that in our temptations that uh, jesus understands that what we go through we thank you lord that we um when we read your word we see jesus ex- uh, experiencing grief and loss and pain and lord we are so thankful that you understand us and that you even in our weakness uh, we are not far removed from you and lord what what joy and comfort that can bring us in those hard times. And Lord, you know that many in this church are uh, are walking through a hard time at the moment. And Lord, you know particularly those that are walking in the path of grief and, and loss. And um, Lord, it's our desire to pray for them tonight. And especially uh, the young family, the young family most recently who, um, of course, lost their uh, dear brother and son. And um, Lord, we lift them up to you tonight and we... Uh, Many of us can't perhaps quite relate to the pain they're going through, but Lord, we can see that it hurts, and we pray for them, and that Lord, in in your way, and, and Lord, you know best, better than we can even ask, that you will comfort them and bring them peace in whatever way it is um, that is suitable and, and, and possible for them. And Lord, we know that nothing happens in our life by chance, that all things uh, come uh, come into our lives, Lord, as part of your purpose and plan for us. And I pray, Lord, that we will have a heart of rejoicing, even though we're going some, when we're going through the hard times, to keep our eyes upon you. We thank you, Lord, that you care enough about us to want to refine us and to um, and, and and to bring us uh, forth like gold. Lord, what a what a privilege to be a part of your family and know that you want to deal with us. That Lord, you want to bring us into your family, and this is all part of the process. Help us to keep that in mind when we go through the hard times, Lord. Not that that's easy. Is it? Sometimes with with what we try to comfort each other with words, but Lord, you know our hearts, you know how we feel. And uh, so Lord, we lift up those who are struggling tonight and uh, we commend them to you and and leave them in your hand. We thank you, Lord, that um, you are so reliable, that Lord, our salvation is not dependent on anything that we have done. It's not dependent even on our love for you. But the Lord, it is all about the love of Jesus and what great love you showed in sending Jesus down to this earth and paying the price for our sin. And Lord, when we know a little of our sin, we begin to realise that it's a deep-rooted problem, and one that we could never fully pay for. And so we rejoice, we give you thanks for the Lord Jesus Christ's obedience and love, and for your grace and, and love towards us, in wanting us to be a part of your family. And Lord, if any of us aren't part of your family tonight, I pray that you will draw us in, help us uh, to, to see the irresistible love and grace of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we sometimes we like to do good, sometimes like we like to think that we're doing um, kind things to others, but Lord, we can't begin to comprehend the love that you have shown towards us. And so I pray, Lord, that we might come to you with a truly repentant heart, with grateful thanks for all that you have done for us. And Lord, not only... Not only that, but you, Lord, you sympathise with us in, and, and you see our needs while we're here on this earth. Lord, you provide the, all the things that we need. And Lord, in this particular corner of, the, of, of this country, in, in, in the world that we live in, Lord, we feel particularly privileged. Lord, not very rarely would someone not be able to go to 
to the fridge to find food or have a soft bed to lie in. And Lord, your mercies go unnoticed so often. And Lord, we are very guilty of that. We, we apologize for that, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness. Waken us up, Lord. Help us to see the goodness of God, the kindness of God, as we heard this morning. In all things, Lord, you, you are so good to us. And we give nothing back. But we thank you, Lord, that you don't expect it of us. And that it is only by your free grace that we are saved. Lord, we commit the life of this church into your hand too. We thank you for this service tonight. I pray, Lord, it will do us all good. We pray for John in in delivering the sermon. Lord, we pray for your spirit to teach us and nurture us, encourage us and reprimand us from your word. And uh, Lord, we we pray for all of the activities going ahead this week. We pray for the anniversary service on Thursday, that that will be a time of real blessing. We pray, Lord, for Ace and Action on Friday night as the um, big group of kids come down here to have some fun and to hear um, the word of God spoken in a small talk. We pray, Lord, for the success of that. We pray that there will be safety. We pray, Lord, that there will be lots of fun. And most of all, that there will be uh, there will be talk of Jesus and that it might be maybe just a little seed sown in a young heart. But Lord, all these, we commit them all to you and we pray that you will use it as you see fit. And so Lord, we thank you that we are able to so freely share the word of God. Help us to do so with urgency. Lord, there are many souls around us who need you and don't know you. Help us to never be ashamed of, of what you have done for us. Lord, may we, may we live for you. Uh, so often, Lord, we can go into our shell when we're given an opportunity to talk about Jesus, but give us great boldness, Lord. We've got great news to share. We've got life-giving news to share. And I pray, Lord, that you will burden our hearts so, for, um, so that we, we can't keep it to ourselves. Why would we keep it to ourselves? But, Lord, we are a bit short-sighted like that sometimes. Give us the courage that we need to share the news of Jesus with the people around us. And, Lord, may they see Jesus in us and the way that we behave. And what a... What a, um, a soul-searching thought that is for us sometimes, um, Lord, when we wonder if people do see Jesus in us. But Lord, it is all about you. We pray that you will change us, that you will mould us and shape us in a way that we can be useful for you. And uh, Lord, may that be the desire of our heart to see many saved. We thank you, Lord, that you, we read in your word that you would, that all men were saved. Um, and so, Lord, we, we pray that um, we might be able to be useful in our own little way. Uh, in your powerful hand. So Lord, as we come now to hear your word explained to us, we pray for listening ears, we pray for a heart that is ready to um, uh, to respond to your word. We pray, Lord, for a mind to understand it. And I pray, Lord, this would do us good and feed us through this week. As we go through the busyness of, uh, of um, school, work, home life, Lord, you know all the things that we've got lined up this week, perhaps some things that we're dreading, but we pray that this will sustain us and help us through. And Lord, day to day, may our strength be only about, uh, may our strength be only from Jesus Christ. And, uh, Lord, we pray as we, we spoke about him rooted a few weeks ago, but that, that verse bit, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Lord, day to day, keep our eyes upon you. Keep our hearts in the right place. And don't let us be distracted by the tasks that we have to do. May we do it all for you, Lord, and just uh, and and commit everything to you. We thank you, Lord, that you care about the big things and the little things uh, that, that matter to us, and that, Lord, you will deal with them, and you are able to do the impossible. So, Father, we commit all things into your hand now. We pray for the success of this service. We pray, Lord, that your name will be praised and glorified, and that our souls might be blessed. We pray all in Jesus' name. Amen.
before John comes to preach to us, we're going to sing another song. And it's uh, quite a searching if we question how much Jesus is in every area of our life. Um, but we can pray this as we sing. Christ, be in my waking as the sun is rising in my day of working with me every hour. Christ, be in my resting as the day is ending, calming and refreshing, watching through the night. Let's stand and sing.
I wonder if you feel a sense of mission, a sense of purpose. Do you know what you're about? Or why you're here, to follow the little picture on the PowerPoint. Sad to have a purposeless life, isn't it? Do we feel a sense of mission as a church? A sense of purpose, a sense of aim, a direction. Some frame it in a a mission statement. That can be helpful. It's quite difficult sometimes to condense so much to just a a one-liner. But whether we have one or not, do we feel that sense of mission, a sense of clarity on what we're about? Well, Paul... Apostle Paul had a a clear sense of purpose and he tells the Colossians about it and he does so uh, to help them fend off some of the diversions to the mission that they were coming under, the Colossian heresy as it's known. There are various things that you, clues you can pick up from the letter of Colossians about an error that was coming onto the church which Paul is getting them to fend off by some of the things that he is saying. He tells it his mission to, to fend off that error but he tells his mission also to infuse them to be on board with the same mission. And uh, it may well be that as we look at that this evening, it has that same effect on us, I hope so, to feel increasingly a refreshed sense of being on board with that mission. Verse 24 maybe puzzles you as we get into Colossians 1. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Maybe you puzzle over a verse like that. Of course, Paul is not saying that there is something inadequate about the sufferings of Christ to atone for our sins. He's paid the price. We rejoice in that. But still in the pattern of Christ's suffering and in what Paul was expected to suffer in his mission given by Christ, there was to be some ongoing sufferings and struggles and hardship in mission. And that was still being filled out by the Apostle Paul and should be and will be filled out by Christians and churches as they follow in his pattern, seeking to take the mission of the Gospel onwards. So Paul was involved with this sense of mission and so should we be in the pattern of Christ. Our roles will be varied. We have different parts of the body. We have different gifts. But our umbrella concern is the same or should be the same as the apostle. And he describes it in verses 28 and 29. And we really just have two verses that we're going through this evening. I find them striking, Um, I hope you do, let me read them right, these two verses through at the outset, going to look at four things within this, this is what he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling 
with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Well, I've been long impressed by these verses. I've been encouraged by them this week and I've had a couple of communications with others who have been encouraged by them this week. Let's look at these verses and take them bit by bit. We think first of the focus of his mission. And it's put very simply, and I think very powerfully, in just the first um, three words of what we're looking at, which is, him we proclaim. Or in other versions, him we preach. Our mission is about him. Our message is about him. Jesus, that is, is the focus of our message and what we pass on. Him we proclaim. That doesn't mean his name will necessarily be in every paragraph, every point, every sentence. We speak about the whole Bible. We hopefully address many different situations. But the the focal point, the main point, the backbone, the, the root from which everything else, if you like, shoots off is about him, about Jesus. And you can see why if you um, dip into this letter. It's just said about Jesus being the solution to the great mystery. It's just said about Jesus being in us through his spirit. About him as the hope of glory. In verse 15 of chapter 1, we started there when Tim read, is the image of the invisible God. These are things which just pile up high, stack up high. The, the, the greatness, the, the impressiveness, the, the majesty, the weightiness, the importance of Jesus. We are reconciled to God through him. He's involved with creation. It says in verse 17, chapter 1, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's to be preeminent, verse 19. Chapter 2, verse 3, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and and knowledge. So, him, we proclaim him, we want to publicise. been reading about John the Baptist this week, having started to read John, and John the Baptist had this very clear, didn't he? I'm not worthy to untie his sandals, John says. I'm, if you like, the the best man in the background, he is the bridegroom to whom the attention goes. He points to him, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't get in a huff when his disciples start to follow Jesus instead. Summarised in this um, um, challenging, beautiful phrase, he must increase. 
and I must decrease. Him we preach, him we proclaim. Do we realise how valuable he is? In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I've been thinking a bit about the Queen's coronation. She was presented with many items in that service 70 years ago. Many encrusted with um, tremendously expensive, priceless jewels, really. But the first thing she was presented was a Bible. And it was described as the most valuable thing this world affords because it reveals God to the world. And the book whose central message is about Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's a priceless book. So our message is uh, not chiefly a philosophy or a policy or a practical guide, but a, a person. The other things may flow from it, but it's him we preach. The Colossians seem to want to go beyond that. It's as if they say, okay, Jesus was the foundation level, but, you know, we've graduated. You know, we've got higher things to aim for. We've got different things to be concerned about. You know, our agenda, our, our discussions, what we're really into uh, is something beyond Jesus. And... Uh, Paul wants them to keep close to Jesus right through verse 6 of chapter 2. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Make it our delight to point to Jesus. I know some of you have been reading the book by Paul Watts, and you know I had the privilege of being... um, in the church where Paul was preaching for um, three years when I was a student. And I remember sort of summer, or one of the main aspects, if not the main aspect about his ministry, which stayed with me, was this. It was a Christ-centred ministry. It was a Christ-centred ministry. He lifted up Jesus. Him we proclaim. So as we have opportunity to speak... Him we proclaim. In our enthusiasm to support others who are involved with the work of the gospel, this is our great excitement and thrill. Him we proclaim. As we have chance to say a few things, perhaps to others who don't know much about the Christian faith, Him we proclaim. Esther and I had a a social situation, enjoyable time last night with uh, a a good number of friends and uh, we were thinking afterwards about uh, whether we'd missed opportunities. Opportunities in the group discussion, should something have been said and these things make you think and they make you search. Uh, But certainly one thing that stayed with me afterwards, I I had an opportunity just to talk with one of them a bit about the Bible was true or not and to give a few reasons and uh, I, I then thought about what I've been preparing the, in that afternoon and was going to be speaking tonight and I thought I wish I'd 
I wish I'd somehow directed it especially to Jesus. You know, that's, that's, that's a great thing to try and get onto where we can, legitimately, him we proclaim. Yeah, it's quite a lot in that, isn't there? Three words, very simple. You're not surprised, but it's a challenge for you, isn't it, in, in your outlook and life. But it's what you want to be sent, it's what you want to be like, isn't it, if you're a believer, him we proclaim. Uh, then, as we think more into the verse, still in verse 28 at the minute, we can think about the reach of his mission. The reach of his mission. And what I mean is, who, who does he want to reach? You know, sometimes um, businesses have a, a catchment area or a, a target market. Um, what's his sort of catchment area? Who, who's he concerned to reach? Three times, verse 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Very deliberate, isn't it? Three times, everyone, everyone, everyone. It seems as though the Colossians have become a bit elitist. They saw some people as a group who had special insight and special knowledge and they were the ones to sort of share with and things were kept and contained within them. They were sort of a cut above the rest. Uh, Wisdom was there, preserve if you like. The Gentiles were exempt from that. But Paul is not so elitist. The Gentiles are included, that's part of this mystery, verse 27. Make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. There was a breadth, there was, it was wide ranging. He has a message that warns, that is that puts right, that corrects. He has a message that teaches, that is, the word implies intensively teaching. There's things he wants to say to put them right, to build them up. But he wants everyone to be warned, and he wants everyone to be taught. He wants all the disciples to continue in Jesus. The reach of his mission. Now, obviously, we can't do everything. Uh, we need to be realistic. There is that in the, the, you in your small corner and I in mine. Uh, we, we have special concern for those near us and for those that God puts in our way. There are sensible decisions in all this. But what, what this is really conveying to us is not to be narrow, uh, blinkered in our concerns and our outlook, in our reach, in our desire for people to hear the gospel. Some gospel churches have seemed uh, class conscious, perhaps unwittingly, only really interested in people of the same culture, uh, who've gone to the same schools, who have the same hobbies and the same approach. Uh, Some give the impression of only wanting to reach those who know a lot already. Some perhaps are not interested in the young, and some perhaps are not interested in the old. But there's a breadth, everyone, 
everyone, everyone. There's a big heartedness. That's really what we're saying, isn't it? There's a big heartedness in wanting him to be proclaimed to all sorts of people. You go back to the commission of Jesus, the great commission as it's recorded in Mark. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation or to every creature as it's sometimes translated. So the reach of his mission. And we go on a little bit further then in the verse. And I think we get to think here about the goal of his mission. The goal of his mission. So there's um, there's something pulsating, if you like, behind his desire to to teach, to preach, to warn, to present Christ to them. And he goes on in verse 28 to say what his goal is. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. If you ever think about a goal like that. He has the long term in view. He has the end of life in view. He has the great time of account in view. I wonder if we ever keep, do we keep that in view? Very easy not to, isn't it? We get blinkered by Exams, by gardening, by admin, by washing, by shopping, by the amount of emails we've got to respond to, by the fact that our insurance need renewing. We, we have a whole set of things and legitimate and right to do, and, but the overall impression can be just to blinker our minds to very immediate and short term, but he had the long term in view of giving account before God and of others giving account before God. And that drives him on. That is fuel behind his proclaiming of Christ, his warning and his teaching. Uh, And what does he especially want for those he's concerned about? He says that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Sometimes that Greek word is translated blameless. Sometimes it's translated mature. I think it conveys both. Colossians as a letter is concerned about both. He wants them to be guiltless on that great day. He wants them to be able to sing the last verse of And Can It Be?, No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. He wants them to face that day wonderfully liberated, confident, joyful, uncondemned to present them blameless 
in that day. And that should be a great concern for us, to be there blameless, because we found salvation through Jesus Christ, in whom we've put our trust, and a big concern that others around us should be blameless on that day, justified, forgiven, reconciled. As if we're there in the background and seeing them saved and Jesus as if saying to them, welcome into the joy of my Lord and we're sort of cheering because we're so thrilled that they've found salvation. We love them, we love the gospel. We're so thrilled that that's been matched in them and they've become believers. A great goal is that they may be blameless in that great day. But the letter is also concerned for their growing maturity. As they approach that day, he wants them to be increasingly Christ-like and useful and godly and in strong relationship with Christ. He wants them to be as Christ-like as possible. You take the prayer he prayed in Colossians 1 and verse 10, just take that verse out of the prayer, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It comes out as the letter goes on. He wants them to put on some things and put off other things. He wants there to be change in their attitudes and in their character and their behaviour. And he wants it really to, to, to have traction in their life. That's partly why we sang the third song we did about Christ being my waking, because he wants it to affect their, their family life, their marriages. He wants it to uh, affect their, their working life, and he wants it to affect their church life. He wants them to be growing in maturity. It, it, it will be his delight to to see them increasingly conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his pattern for life. And that's a great thing for us to have in mind, isn't it? As we meet, as we mix, as we have concern for each other, to, yeah, we, again, we, we, don't, we so easily lose sight of this, don't we? We lose a sense of the potential and and, and purpose for people and we don't always think of each other, our need, as well as the need of others, to think, well, wouldn't it be wonderful? Their faith is growing and I'm so pleased. And um, He's a more gentle husband than he used to be and I'm so delighted about that. And um, They're using opportunities to witness at at, at school and that's great to see and... uh, they have a heart for the gospel in a bigger way than they used to have. And um, when I think they, they, she used to bear a grudge towards others, but she seems to be having a forgiving spirit now, and there's growth. And that's the sort of thing that delighted the Apostle Paul, because they're more like Christ, and it should be part of our goal and big concern that people should be presented increasingly mature in Christ. Who are those you look to influence? Maybe involved with children, close friends, neighbours, Bible study group, leadership responsibility. This is a good desire, isn't it? That they might be presented mature in Christ, blameless. In Christ. So we've had three things out of verse 28. Let me read it again. This is one of the evenings where you can sort of let, let a small portion of the Bible really sink in rather than like we're often in the mornings covering almost a chapter. 
Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature or blameless in Christ. And we come up to the last point. Uh, and we can call it the, the struggles, or the struggle of his mission. So is gospel work a picnic? Uh, are we freewheeling in gospel work? Is it just a, a glide? Well, it wasn't for Paul. Verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Now the the work of the gospel, proclaiming Jesus, was toil. It really means he takes a beating. It almost gets beaten up, not necessarily literally, but it's... uh, He feels as though he's done a round sometimes when he's involved with gospel work. It's a weariness, there's an exertion. There's um, struggling or, or striving. Again, it's, it's language of the fight and a, a contest. You know, where, where there's comp- a competitive spirit. And, and um, it, you put your heart into it and, and, and you know you've been there. For this I toil, struggling. And so you you are worn out, aren't you, perhaps, after preparing and delivering the Sunday school class. <sighs> and you feel drained because you've been chewing over and over how to help a friend who's going through a really difficult situation and you're, you feel the weight of it, want to help them, praying over it. Weighed down with it. And you have the burden of maybe some leadership responsibility and you thought, well, oh, leadership all seemed okay to me. It seemed pretty glamorous. But actually, going through this leadership business is so different. I just feel overwhelmed with responsibility and, 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 and the needs and the requirements and what I feel I ought to do. And There is a, a struggle and a, a toil with gospel work. We say gospel work. The Bible does have the term the, the Lord's work. So it is it is work. Okay, it's, done, it's work done out of a gospel heart. It's done out of a heart which is at rest. It's done out of love for Christ. It's done out of love for people. There is much joy in it. Uh, that's a whole other sermon. You know, sometimes we preach on, on that sort of theme. But here, the emphasis in the verses this evening is, is work. We sang a song based on different Bible verses, really. Go labour on, spend and be spent. Yes, there's a balance here. Some take on more than they can cope with and and they need some guidance, some help. They need the right pattern of rest. They need to be sensible and wise. But there are others who are, if you like, work shy. They don't touch anything that involves commitment, responsibility, work, labour, toil. You know, so, so have some people there work shy, you just can't get them to work, they're not interested in work, they just want life easy. Are you becoming 
gospel work shy. Or always been gospel work shy. Not willing to put in a good shift. Don't sit on the sidelines when you could be on the pitch. Toil, struggle, there is a struggle, there is a hardship in gospel work. But we must follow this on. Uh, Paul does. So my title was a bit puzzling probably if you notice titles. Maybe quite a little bit sneaky and strange, it's difficult to get everything just in two or three words. But there was something uh, deliberate about it. You, you, You know You've probably come across Mission Impossible, um, the TV series that were in the past. There's been lots of films, I haven't seen the films, but lots of films along the similar lines, blockbuster films. Um, And when we come to uh, gospel work, we can feel overwhelmed. We say, who is sufficient for these things? We feel, I'm out of my depth. But what Paul goes on to say gives encouragement. Encouragement to labour, to serve, to proclaim him. Let's carry on in verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. There is an energy working within. He is not on his own. It was not just in his strength. So, in that sense, it's not just mission impossible, but going by Paul's example, it is mission possible. It is mission possible because God is at work. God is strengthening. We had that prayer in chapter 1 going on to verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with Joy. I read uh, these. I read with James Swanson. I had a phone call with James Swanson this week, and we looked at these verses together. We both appreciated them, and uh, especially we're encouraged by this end bit: struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. It's encouraging, isn't it? Some of you got, I saw one of these hanging around at home. I think it's probably been in one of these goodie bags at one of our events. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was speaking to a Christian a, a few months ago and they were saying of this verse that uh, what an encouragement and help it is to them in what they were doing. They were just crossing the room at work, feeling overwhelmed, crossing the hall, feeling like giving up, heading off. And they thought of this verse and they head back the other way in the hall feeling, I can go forward. And the strength that Christ gives me for the, the responsibilities I've got, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So in what God has called you to do, look to him for strength. It is mission possible. And that inflates the tyres. And that suddenly lifts things. 
And it's not quite so overwhelming when you think that the risen Christ, through his spirit, gives strength to his people to do what he has called them to do. There is a sense in which it's mission possible. Obviously there's things we can't do. We're limited in gifts, we're limited in time, we're limited in resources, we get older, we're not superheroes. But God gives strength for us to do what he wants us to do. With all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So do you have a sense of mission, a sense of purpose? Paul did. And we've looked at it this evening. And I want to read it again at the end and just leave you a little time to think about it. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Uh, Now maybe one of these four points is especially helpful for you this evening. Some churches, they get people to speak to the person next to them and to just say what, what aspect of those, the points we've covered is particularly helpful. I'm not going to do that. But I'd like it, you to do it in your minds now. If you were turning to the person next to you, thinking which of those four points especially helps you this evening, which would it be? And turn it into a, a prayer to the Lord, a private prayer. I'll, I'll give you a minute or so to think about that and to pray in response before we sing our last song. Well, I'm hoping you found a bit in all four, actually, but maybe in one, which is particularly helpful. Well, we're going to sing our last um, song. And it it has different elements of this, but it particularly um, oozes with a a Christ-centeredness and a desire to make him known. So it is Jesus, the name high over all. Wait for the words to come out because I can't remember them off pat. Sorry, John. Ah. Well, what I'll do is I was wondering whether to pray before we um, sang. Um, so I'm going to pray and you know, our technical people can try and get it up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two verses. Uh, They come with a punch in some ways, but they come with encouragement. Um, 
They remind us of what we we want to be about as believers, as churches. We think Jesus is wonderful. We hear these lofty statements about him. We think of what a treasure he is. Creator, reconciler, head of the church, preeminent in him, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we do want to pass that message on to others. And we do want to not be elitist or narrow-minded, but to tell many. And we do want to have a greater sense of where life is going and the end of life and have a stronger desire to present people blameless and mature in Christ. And we do struggle, Lord. Some of us feel overwhelmed and tired and worn out. Serving isn't easy. But we look back and we thank you that you have helped us through so much by your strength and your power at work in us. We have got through many things. And as we're tempted to think it's mission impossible and I give up, so help us this evening, Lord, to remember that your mission for us is possible because you give us strength to fulfil it. And help us to draw on that in what you have called us to do. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our last hymn then. Jesus, the name high over all in hell or earth or sky.
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.